Here's Clark again. Oh, and through again he goes. He's got Satuto with him. But it's Ioane, in fact. And Rico Ioane's going to score. What a brilliant play from Caleb Clark, and the Blues are in again. Then it back this near side for Vince Arso. Vince Arso gives it away to Umanga Jensen. And he's got it on the line. And that is a try. Pass. Oh, oh and a warm welcome back to another episode of the Counteruck, a podcast where we discuss all things rugby. I'm the host of the Counteruck, Stacey, and today we welcome a knowledgeable man in the rugby circles and the host of the Pitch Podcast on our network, uh, Mr. Joey Nanai. Joey, thanks for jumping on, brother. Thanks, brother. Thank you for having me once again. City yeah, of the no future. Worries. City of the future. Yes, i got to keep remembering to add that in. Um, we're going to get into it pretty quickly, but I'll just um, take care of a few housekeeping things uh, before we start. So our website, check out our website. We're up and running now, uh, www.wizwiznet.com. And also you can follow the uh, Counteruck on Twitter and Facebook. So give us a follow and give us a like on there. Um, so before, Joey, before we get into our uh, weekly reviews and stuff, um, stuff the stuff web, web website they released a list of the top 50 most influential players. So I'm not sure if you saw it, but I won't go through the whole list. There were some surprising names in there. I thought it's so the top 10. Um, uh, was Sia Khaleesi, Pablo Matera, Brody Retallick, Sam Kane, Anton Dupont at six, Bowden Barrett at five, Semira Dradra at four. Peter Steph Dutoy at three, Aaron Smith at two, and Maro Itoje at one. Another notable one there, Porsche Woodman at 13. She was the highest woman there. So what did you think of that list and anything that you thought was a bit weird or any changes you would have made? Itoje at number um, one, or what did you think of that? Look, I think he's a class player. I think he's a you know, world-class player at that. And... Um, my my immediate question was, how did they come up with this list? Like, what criteria did they go through to get this list? And how did Ito, Itoje beat out all the rest? That's not to say he doesn't deserve it. If you know, if they used a good uh, criteria uh, a selection process, so it'll be interest, interesting to see how they actually went about it. Toje, um, Toje, I like him. Do I think he's the number one player in the world? No, I don't. I think there's quite a there's a raft of other players that a couple of that you mentioned that um, have had more of an influence, impact, and you know, um, success than than he has anyway. Even in the last two years. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, Brady Retallick at eight, I'm a huge fan of his, but he's sort of been in Japan for the past, what, year and a half now. So just for that reason, I'd probably move him down a bit. And Bowden Barrett, since he's moved to fullback and now he's moved to Japan, I'd probably move him a bit down as well. So I thought that was a bit of New Zealand bias in there from two of their our best players. 
historically. So I probably would have moved him a bit down. But yeah, I was pretty happy with the Toje, similar to you. Um, I haven't got much complaints as well. I'm glad they had Dupont in there. I'm a big fan of him at six. And I thought um, Adi, Adi Savia, he came in at 12th. I thought maybe he could have been a top 10 guy. But um, yeah, all in all, I'm pretty happy. They got some women in there. Kendra Coxedge, I think, was at 17. I actually think she's more influential than Portia Woodman at this point. Um, Woodman was outstanding sort of a couple of years ago. So they didn't, I tried to, like you mentioned, look at the criteria that they used, and they were quite vague on it. They didn't really say how they picked who was most influential because of, uh, yeah, some of the guys that they picked and some of the people they picked maybe two years ago or a year ago would, would have been definitely high up that list. But uh, I thought it was a good exercise from them. It's one of those topics where no one's ever going to really agree. So, yeah, Atoja, and when I was, I'm not too disappointed with that. I couldn't really think of anyone else who could potentially take him. Or Aaron Smith was probably the guy from New Zealand who came to mind, and he was at two anyway, so a pretty good list there. Um, we'll get into our reviews. So we had two Golden Point games, which is a rarity in, in uh, New Zealand rugby and Super Rugby. But um, I think it was Friday or Saturday night, I believe, the Highlanders and the Chiefs. So 23, the Highlanders, and 26 to the Chiefs, who won it uh, in Golden Point there. Not sure if you saw much of that game from your neck of the woods, but uh, did you catch it and what did you make of it? Oh, as I thought, you know, um, the Highlanders did lead in certain parts of their game, but I thought the game itself kind of, the, the result anyway, I think it masked... Uh, some of the poor play that went out throughout the game uh, by both sides, not just by um, the losing team, which was the Highlanders. But mm. I think, Agree. and the exciting, the exciting bit about you know Golden Point for me is um, the fact that it can take away the the poor performance of both sides um, with an exciting finish like a drop goal or a penalty, like you know what uh-huh. uh, DMAC, um you know enjoyed at the end there. So yeah, I think all in all, it was a poor performance by both teams, but uh, the golden point um, ending was uh, was the most exciting part. Yep, yeah. uh, well, it was an interesting game. I thought um, Frizzell was outstanding for the for the Highlanders again. His carries, uh, which you touched on last week. Um, he was outstanding for them. He's really putting pressure on to be that All Black Six. But uh, Mitch Hunt, he was the hero last week, and he was a bit gayer this week. So, uh, um, and in their home stadium, I'm not sure, but it seems to be an issue. We've seen it before. The goal kicking was a little bit off there. So both teams, if they kicked better at goal, they probably could have won it in regular time. So I think Mitch Hunt was six from nine, which isn't too bad, I guess. Uh, 66% and DMAC 3 from 7 is pretty poor um, but yeah I, I agree with you about the golden point it was a, an exciting finish sort of covered up a lot of the first sort of 60 odd minutes where there was a lot of mistakes and a bit stop start but um, you know Chiefs 3 in a row uh, mate they from losing 12 in a row to winning 3 in a row they're all about the streak <laughs> so you know good on them yeah Give them credit there. Hardly call three in a row a streak, would, would you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I guess not. But, you know, hey, look, um, they'll, they'll take it after the 12 that they lost in a row, whatever it was. 
So yeah, good on the um, good good on the, the old Chiefs there to get another win. But um, yeah, we'll know, look forward a, to Sunday's game. So oh, no, carry on. So here's a bit of a trivial stat: the Blues are the only team to not play in a Golden Point game. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wonder what odds we would have got on that. <laughs> that would have been yeah, that would have been a couple of hundred to one, I would think. But um yeah. Especially after this weekend, who would no one would have thought that? But um yeah, good point. Um yeah, we'll look forward to uh Sunday's game. So on Sunday, Hurricanes uh played the Crusaders down in Wellington and the Crusaders took it out again in Golden Point, thirty points to twenty seven. So I'm not sure if you caught much of that one, but what did you make of that that game? I think it was nice to see uh, the the black bus. Sorry, they call them the bus these days, but the you know it's great to see the bus back in action and back to his uh, try scoring ways. I wouldn't say try scoring best, but you know he scored a try, and uh, it was nice to see him dot down. Um, I think Wellington always get in their own way. Especially when, you know, they, at, I think, what was the final score 30 to 27? I think it was. Yeah, yeah 30 to 27 it was. Um, I thought there was some, there was some outstanding performances by a few individuals. Um, a, a couple of the old heads probably um, needed, needed a bit more oomph in what they did. I think they were relaxed, especially um, guys like Dane Coles, I think, um, he could have done a bit better. Adi Savier had a good game. Um, a couple of the young guys, you know, they showed that they are keen. But uh, I think a few more games under their belt will, you know, will will help them in the long run to enjoy those wins a bit better and find out ways to win. Um, like I said, you know, the the old heads in the in the Hurricanes team, they probably could have picked up a bit more in their own individual performances. Ngani Laumape, he was found wanting as well. Um, I don't know whether he's on the decline or what, but um, he was one guy who I thought could have played a little bit better. Geordie mm. Barrett, I think, was outplayed by his counterpart, even though his counterpart didn't have the best of games himself. Um, I thought Asafa Almore could have come on a bit sooner than he did. Um, the 57th minute... Probably should have brought him on straight after the halftime. Um, even Scott Scrafton probably could have come on a bit sooner as well. Um, and, you know, I would look at starting guys like him in the next game, just based on that performance yeah. where he came yeah. on and actually did a good job. Um, it would be nice to see Duplessis Karifi get more game time and actually um, be trusted with the starting position again. But obviously he has to earn that internally in their camp so you know it'll be nice to see guys like that firing again because I believe he's a genuine contender for the All Black jersey when he's on fire yeah yeah that's an interesting one that you mentioned with with uh, Karifi as well because with uh, Sam Kane going down I wonder if Adi has said hey look I'm going to be the 7 for the All Blacks give me the 7 jersey so it's a, uh, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but he's that he's been playing 8 basically for all this time, but now, yeah, with Sam Kane going down, he's moved, could grab that seven jersey again. But yeah, I agree with uh, with your take on um, on Karifi. He's he's close. Uh, I agree agree with uh, again with Scott Scrafton as well. 
But um, yeah, it was a good game to see. Jordy Barrett taking some shots from over 60 metres out from having a shot at goal is uh, it's always dangerous and it's amazing. that He missed that kick, but it wasn't because of distance. It was because of accuracy. So he can kick that man. So uh, yeah, I just get, you, you brought up a good point, which it made me just think of now. So we saw... Um, D-Mac in that first game, he was quite influential, and then Geordie Barrett, and then you also mentioned Will Jordan there. So how do you see the fullback race lining up? If you put your all-black selectors head on, how, how would you be uh, sort of jumping at that one? I think if I, if I was to choose the team right now based on current form, you'd have to still back Geordie Barrett. Um, he's, as an international player, we all know that he's he's safe, he's got a good boot. And, you know, he's good under the high ball. So I think that's the one thing that will probably count against the likes of DMAC. Will Jordan is still a bit of an unknown factor compared to the other two. Um, however, Will Jordan, mate, I just love seeing him with ball in hand. The way he can hit a line, the way he can, you know, be in the right place at the right time. So, um, yeah, exciting player, just like DMAC, very energetic, but... If I was an all-black selector right now, I'm going for safety. I'm going for, I'm going for things like high ball and pressure, pressure moments in the game. And who would I want there taking the high ball? Yep. Oh well, we're on the same page then, because I was also I would also go for Geordie as well, just mainly for the reasons that you mentioned. So, although I changed my mind a little bit each week, I had DMAC ahead if you'd probably asked me a couple of weeks back but yeah Geordie I think the selectors like him as well I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets gets first crack at that jersey um, so there are a couple of Australian games again we don't really delve too deep into it but I'm not sure if you watched much Rebels um, in the force so 16-15 to the uh, force in that game and the Reds and the Brumbies played out another thriller 24-22 so did you catch any Australian stuff yeah, I caught a bit of the Reds game. Um, there was some outstanding plays. Again, um, what's her name? Taniela Tupo. He's he's put his hand up again. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have the best of games in the scrummage, but um, I thought he had a, a, another solid showing. Um, and it was great. The, the best part for me was just seeing that 20,000 strong crowd. You know, Australia hasn't been able to enjoy that kind of a crowd in a long time. So it was nice to see that um, the the Reds crowd come out and cheer their team on, and obviously their team got the result. So um, it was nice to see there were there, there were standouts like um, James O'Connor, he was one. Um, there was a couple of others I named in conversation during the week. Mm. I don't remember who they are right now, but yeah, they were. It was it was nice. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. who else was there? There was. Um, Checker, I believe, was the commentator, Michael Checker. Yeah, yeah, Michael Checker, right? Yeah, but um, it was a good game. It was a, it was actually yeah. a really good yeah. game. It was probably the best of yeah, the, I mean, yeah. of the weekend. Mm, yeah, it was a good game. I remember now, Chet, you talked up, uh, up uh, Valentini. I just watched some of the the, the, the highlights and Rob Valentini, Valentini, the blindside for the Brumbies. He yep. was bloody Robinson. awesome. Ricky he was ball. my man of the match. So, mm. He was my man of the match. Um, yep. There was one yep. time we got blown off the ball, but um, uh, his most of his game 
was just fire. You know, he was he was really good. He was my man of the match. Yeah, um, I was watch bits of that Rebels Force. That was a tough watch. Um, there, there is a distinct class systems between the Reds and the Brumbies at the top, and sort of there's a bit of a gap to the rest. But I thought Tom Moore, he was a bit hit and miss. So you, you mentioned James O'Connor. I think he's really wrapped up that starting ten jersey for the Wallabies. It was sort of a bit up in the air. Tom Moore had a good start to the season. I know they had Reese Hodge there last year who. He did a good job against the All Blacks as well. But I think O'Connor, in my eyes anyway, he looks like the first choice 10 there. And they're going to have to fit uh, Hodge and Tom Moore and Pitaya and all these other guys in that back line somewhere else. So um, it's quite interesting. They've got some really good quality backs coming through. So I'm really looking for... I like what I'm seeing out of the Reds in particular, like you mentioned. And um, yeah, some of the forwards as well, those Brumbies forwards. Uh, I think Australia could start to have the makings of a good team. That Trans-Tasman section, which looks like it's all go, that's going to be really interesting because we think the Red, well, I think the Reds might be good, but when they we'll see when they play the Crusaders and those types of teams if they're really as good as they look on, uh, on TV anyway. Mm. All right, um, we're going to do a couple of previews. So... These coming this coming weekend, the Blues had the bye last week, so they're up first on Friday night. They've got the Highlanders down in Dunedin. So, mate, uh, have you got any thoughts on that one and give us a prediction for that one? Um, Blues, Highlanders, well... <clears throat> okay, this is a funny one because last week you asked me a similar question about Highlanders versus the Chiefs. And the Chiefs were coming off a bye. <laughs> yes. And I, and I predicted that the Highlanders would get away from the Chiefs with a W. The Highlanders and the Chiefs both made liars out of me. Um, so this time I'm going to back the pattern, the one-game pattern, where a team that came off the bye <laughs> was supposedly fresh, um, and the other team that's got match fitness, that team being the Highlanders, again. Um, I'm going to give it to the Blues based on what happened last week where the Chiefs came off a bye and got the W in the end, albeit during Golden Point. But I think the Blues are fresh and have been toiling away and quiet and, you know, and wherever they train, I think LZ and uh, over at Unitech there in Mount Albert. Um, so I, I'll give it to the Blues to win a close game, even though the Highlanders probably feel a bit dejected now um, especially after you know reading in the press that their own coaches saying they should be they should be feeling quite bad about that loss against the Chiefs um, that they expected to win so I'm going to give it to the Blues and the Highlanders are on a bit of a downer this week as well yeah yeah, the Highlanders, oh man, that was such two contrasting performances from that Crusaders game to the Chiefs game. So it's, they're quite hard to hard to pick. Um, I know that Fakatava, who's a guy who would probably would have made the All Blacks this year, I think. That was a big loss to them. They played Aaron Smith for big minutes. And I, I don't know if they've got the same level of trust in... Uh, Kane Hamilton, I think, is the the reserve halfback now, so that's putting a lot more pressure on Smith, and and that such a critical position that nine. So I thought that they had that one-two punch, which really 
altered a lot of their team play and their style. So I'm with you. I, I quite like the Blues as well. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm going with the Blues. But uh, yeah, a big game on Saturday. Surprisingly a big game. So the Chiefs at home against the Crusaders. So the Chiefs are on a three-game winning streak. And Crusaders, what, two game, or one game, lose, they lost that game. And then the Golden Point game. So they're getting taken a bit. So how are you seeing that one? Um, look, I'm going to go with, you know, the, the performances I've seen of both sides and from what I've seen, even though, um, the Crusaders were able to tough it out and win via the golden point droppy to David Harvey, I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs just purely on homegrown advantage. I know that that's at that stadium, Waikato Stadium, FNG Stadium, they have the best crowd that I've ever been a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really back their team. So I think yep. that'll yep. work in their advantage, to their advantage, and um, <clears throat> that'll help get them over the line, um, especially with the travelling Crusaders side who um, just scraped in a win after a poor performance the week before. So, um, yeah. You know, I think the the Crusaders are on the rebuild in terms of during season, and you know they normally show up at their business end anyway. So, and they're still in the lead by some way against you know the, the Blues in second, and I forget who's third. But um, I'm going to give this game to the Chiefs. There's a there's a, a young Nanai in there, so I'm <laughs> biased biased a little bit by that and the fact that I live in Chiefs country. Yep. Yeah, so I'm just you, you brought up a good point. So the Chiefs are actually third. They're only they're the same record as the Blues, uh, three wins, two losses. So uh, the Blues are in second. Just they've got a couple of extra bonus points. So it's going to come down to the wire. It looks like the Crusaders, unless something dramatic happens, will have one foot in the final already, and then it's out of that Chiefs and Blues to sort of see who gets that other spot now. So. The Chiefs, are, I give them a shot. I think I'm with you. I'm actually going to go for the Chiefs as well. I think Jack Goodhue, we're doing this podcast before the teams are named, but it looked like he got quite a serious injury. So that could be another big loss to them. They've already got uh, Eno and a couple of other midfielders out, so uh, might be a bit skinny in, in those options. And I think Joe Moody is the other guy who picked up an injury over the weekend. So Chiefs will be confident. It's going to be a good game. I think that's going to be probably the match of the round. But, uh, yeah, I'll go for the Chiefs as well in a close one. So, again, we're on the same page. I'm not sure if that's a good thing because it wasn't. <laughs> our predictions weren't, weren't that good last week. But, um, yeah, which just brings me to our TAB account. Um, unless you've got something else you want to say on that Chiefs-Crusaders uh, match. But um, our, our TAB accounts are up to $147. Mate, so uh, 10 bucks. What, what do you what do you like? What do you like for us? Oh, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in high risk, high reward. <laughs> That's how we got the hundred dollars to start off with. <laughs> yes, high yes, risk, high reward. Yes, yep. And and the high risk in this situation is that exact game we just spoke about, which is the Chiefs versus Crusaders. Um, no one's, I, I would believe, ninety percent of New Zealanders who enjoy rugby would be betting against the Chiefs this week. And wanting, you know, not necessarily wanting Crusaders to win, but expecting Crusaders to come away with a W. I think the good money is on the Chiefs. 
I truly believe that. Um, and you know, I'm not the kind of person who normally uh, makes bets with his his heart, but um, this time I think the the heart is backed by some uh, some stats and some you know some intellectual uh, gratification or verification. Nice, nice. All right, so that's going to be us ten dollars on the Chiefs this week. So any of our punters out there, we, we were doing well. We we're a hundred dollars ish in profit. So anyone who wants to jump on our tips, feel free. Um, yeah, all right. We'll, we'll just do a quick update on our Wiz Wiz medal. So um, just for our listeners, we have our Wiz Wiz medal with, uh, that's named after our network, and it's for the Super Rugby Player of the Year. So we'll, what we do is we review each game and allocate three points to the best player, two points for the second best player, and one point for the third best player, and then tally up the points at the end of the season to get a winner of the Wes Wes medal as our uh, Super Rugby Player of the Year. And also, it's been quite uh, congested at the top, uh, but we do now have an outright leader again. So Cody Taylor is the guy, after another strong performance over the weekend, he's retaken the lead. So he was in the he started off with the hiss and a roar, and then everyone sort of caught up to him. But he's on nine points, and then we've got four guys pushing hard on six points. So Matt Tomoa, uh, Richie Moonga, Tom Banks, and Taniela Tupo, who we touched on a bit earlier, they're uh, coming second equal and all trying to push for that medal. So uh, still a lot of rugby to come up. And just for our listeners out there, we do post our uh, the updates on social media, so check us out there and keep an eye out for it. Um, nice, Joey. We're just about to close up, so I know um, just one thing. I'm not sure if you caught it. I'm sort of gonna just springing this out, but Auckland, the NPC Auckland team, they had a bit of. Um, well, I think it's sort of been a bit of a storm in the teacup in a way, but they were in the news recently. It looked like a bit of a player revolt and. Uh, well, it ended with Philo Tiatia handing in his resignation. So I know we're both Auckland uh, NPC supporters. So have you got anything you wanted to say on that? <clears throat> I think um, I'd like to find out a bit more. I mean, yeah. as things come to light, you know, because I've I've met Philo myself and, and also Alama. And, you know, I think those guys had a vision. Um, it may have been a Wellington... Uh, influenced vision because they're both staunch Wellington men and were successful for Wellington backlines back in the oh backline and forward um, packs back in the days. So it'd be interesting to see what was the reason why the player revolt came about and who actually was deep and deeply involved in that revolt in terms of okay boys we're going to go against you know the grain we're going to fight the power we're going to uh, make a stand and it's say it's either him or us um which never works out in the favor of you know the coach when when there's such a thing and i have experienced that at club level where you know players did a revolt and the coach at the time had no choice um my my old uh, rugby club there so um you know i i feel for the coach that's involved. I feel for Philo. I'm not sure what the details are, but um, I've met the guy. I like him. I liked his vision. I like what he, you know, what he wanted for for the team, for the club, or for the province. 
obviously um, there's some miscommunication or some uh, things there that didn't gel. And I'd like to see where the misalignment was and the gaps and whether or not, you know, for for me as a as a original Aucklander, um, I'd I'd like to like to know how my my province um, got to such a state because this only brings about the word toxic for me as someone who is looking at it from the outside in. I'm thinking shit. The the culture probably has taken a hit. Was there even a culture? You know, that's another question we could ask. So it'll be interesting to find out as things come to light what what were the reasons for the the actions that have been taken. So um, I don't have Philo on speed dial, but um, it'll be be interesting to find out from people who know him what their take is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well said. I agree with a lot of that. Actually, they were quite vague on the details, so. It's hard to know what went on behind the scenes, but two guys that did get named, two players, um, Ofa Ofa Tonga Fasi was one that said that he was thinking of leaving and playing for uh, Counties or Northland, one of those two teams, and Hoskins, Hoskins Satutu was the other guy who said that he was considering changing over it. So it's a bit weird, this player revolt thing and this player power, in my eyes, for just from the outside looking in. But, you know, the coaches aren't there to be your mates if they were hard or whatever. It worked. I, think, I felt. Yeah. You look at the results, like they were, we've supported Auckland for long enough to know that there was a period where they were pretty gaya. And then what? You look at the three years that Alamas had, they won a title, they made the semi-final, and then they lost the final. Which for Auckland fans, you know, considering the previous sort of decade, you take that yeah, every day of the week. So, absolutely. So. That's a massive success to, for him to come on board and gain the results that he did. He's normalized making the top four again. Mm. You know? Like, what more could the, the fans of Auckland ask for? Like, come on now. Don't forget the last 10 years of failure that we've had. <laughs> you know, of wondering, oh, where's Wayne Pivak? Can he come and save us again? Yeah, exactly. You exactly. know? Yeah, so I was so sort of way, like, well, like, mm. you just want the coach to be a bit more, bit more of a mate to you, or what? You know, he's there to, to get the best out of you. And from the outside looking in, looking at those results, looks like it was working. So I was just surprised, I guess. I don't know. Obviously, we don't get to see what's happening behind the scenes, but uh, yeah, it'll be mm. interesting. It'll be interesting to see um, those two named players that uh, that you named, Offa and uh, Hoskins what their stories are. I can I can agree a little bit with um, a move for offer because he's originally from South Auckland, you know. Hmm. He's okay. he's a marketing college boy. So I can I can agree with, you know, the change of province there because he's from County's Manukau area, pretty much. Um, whereas Hoskins, you know, he's from the Marist Rugby Club and um, it'll be interesting to see if there was a, a clash of um, mentalities. Because him and Philo obviously play the same position, um, and maybe maybe the the old head you know d- didn't agree with the way the the young buck was conducting himself in terms of uh, the position itself. So who knows? It'll be interesting to see what uh, what the reasoning was there for those two particular players as well, and anyone else that might have uh, added to that. Where's Patrick Tuipulotu these days? 
he's still around. He's 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 a quiet captain, isn't he? He's not. It doesn't really come out and say much. But um, yeah, that would have been interesting to hear his thoughts, just as the captain of 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 Auckland and and the Blues. So. I just hope, like you said, we've had some really strong results the last three seasons with these coaches. I hope this doesn't derail a lot of that stuff because it looks like there could be a bit of a clash between what the coaches are trying to do and what the players want to happen. So uh, we'll keep updating it as more information comes through just for us two both being Auckland fans. But um, yeah, I just got that feeling like, oh no, don't tell me that things are going awry already just as we look like we turned a corner. But um, yeah, we'll keep following that up. Yeah, well, that's about us, Joey, mate. We're just about to finish up. So, mate, have you just get some uh, closing comments from you, some closing thoughts, um, just as we wrap up the podcast for another week? Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> closing thought from me is it's good to see some of the younger talent um, putting their hands up in the Super Rugby across both New Zealand and Australia. Um, and it's good to see that there is some progress with uh, a Pacific Island team, um, albeit, you know, all the conflicts of interest that went into that particular scenario. Um, I feel like there's an unresolved challenge or issue or problem there that needs to be fixed. But um, look, all the power to them and good luck to them and I will support them when they do take the field because they re represent us. Um, I think on a whole, it's good to see um, that at a professional super rugby level, rugby is in a good space. Um, I'm deeply concerned about, <coughs> excuse me, the way grassroots rugby is shaping out at the moment because I'm hearing more often than not now that uh, certain clubs around the country um, are finding it hard to field premier premier teams on on the Saturday, and some are having to default. So that's that's ridiculous. Thinking you know, yeah. when you think about the fact that we live in this country that is rugby mad or supposedly rugby mad. So maybe maybe people don't want to play rugby anymore. Maybe people want to go and play Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And hmm. it's just like, yeah, I think just the way the game has gone, they've really put so much emphasis on the professional side. And when you look at the development side, if you're sort of 15, 16, 17, and you haven't been noticed by anyone, you know, people, are, that's where people are, there's a mass falling off of the game from there. So people aren't really transitioning into club rugby after, after high school. It's sort of like, yeah, if you're not going to make it, then people just kind of get left by the wayside which is sad to see so uh, I think they need to do more to get the partition num uh, participation numbers up because they know it's been it's been dwindling for a long time now this so this isn't sort of symptomatic but it's not really a new thing I think eh? it's sort of been on the cards for a bit now so which, which is sad to hear because yeah I'm old enough to remember when you know club rugby you could go there and it's sort of a free way to watch some gun players going around for free without paying any money so i used to go regularly uh back in the days and watch support the club game but um yeah so hopefully i don't know what the answer is and hopefully the new zealand rugby and the powers that be can sort something out there so good thoughts there and 100 percent agree about all these young guys coming through there's a lot of good young players so um one thing i just wanted to say on social media i saw some teams some 
invitational teams, Pacific Island invitational teams. So there was that Samoan team, the Fijian team, and the Tongan team. And I was amazed at the strength of them from all over the world, like where all these islanders are playing. So I don't know. I remember they had that Pacific Islanders team sort of maybe, well, it's going back a bit now, maybe 15-odd years ago, who got to play some tests similar to the Lions. I'd love to see some of those teams get a game. If you haven't seen it, have a check. It's, I think I put them on our, um, our Facebook page and stuff. So it's unbelievably strong teams, and it just goes to show the influence that Polynesians have on rugby all over the world. So they grab some English, I don't know, use some yeah, quotation marks there, English uh, Islanders, uh, some Welsh Islanders from everywhere, but really. And it was just a strong team that could push the All Blacks, all three of those teams, I thought. So uh, I just wanted to, to talk, uh, mention that as well, a special mention for that. But, um, yeah, we're just about to close up. Um, I want to, um, yeah, just thank all our listeners for joining us for another episode of The Counter-Ruck. So we're available on the usual podcast platforms, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, iHearts, Radio, uh, and also now we've got our YouTube channel up and going, so you can watch us there. Um, so just um, thanks to everyone. Keep listening, keep watching, and providing that feedback for us. So, um, mate, Joey, always a pleasure, mate. Thanks for being part of the pod and sharing your extensive knowledge with us and your enthusiasm. And, uh, yeah, Cam's who was doing the fact-checking, he looks to been sidetracked with a few other things so um that's us boys we'll be back again next week cheers boys